Hello and welcome to the OTL podcast. After victory against Peterhead in the opening day, Airdrie have a big game ahead. It's Firhill for thrills as we take on Partick Thistle. And we think a big game calls for a big podcast. Feature length in fact. So we've dispensed with the intro music and the sponsors messages just to crack on. In part one, I speak to the Airdrie fans. Alan Porteous and Andrew Duffy join me to discuss the season so far and what their hopes are ahead of the trip to Firhill. Then in part two, an ex-Diamond and Jag, Stephen Doherty joins us to talk about his time at both clubs. And finally, I wrap things up with a conversation with John Kane. John's a lifelong Jag, a Maryhill boy, and he talks me through the trials and tribulations of being a lifelong Party Thistle supporter. Welcome to the OTL podcast. The football is back and so is our panel, but we've got a debutant. So I would like to welcome to the podcast, Andrew Duffy. Andrew, welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, and and I've got stalwart Alan Porteous. He's been here with us from the start. He's still here now. Alan, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Good to be here again. Before we start, I like when we get new panelists on just to hear a bit about them. So, Andrew, how did you end up supporting Airdrie? It's an interesting one. Essentially, my um, dad's side of the family are all from Cumbernauld, where I still live today. My mum's side, however, are all Airdrie um, people. And I've got an uncle who has always been an Airdrie supporter. And my dad was delighted that there was an opportunity to get me to games and into football without being in the old firm clutches of the the two cheeks. So that was me um, taking along. First game I get taken to was the cup game, the Challenge Cup final at Broadwood when we beat Alloa 2-1. Um, and since then I've been hooked. That's been me. That's good. So Ian McCall's team was the first that you, you went along to... Ian McCall's team was the first yeah. in that kind of bizarre season. Yeah. Uh, right. And, and But this season, you came to my attention because you've been doing these match reports at Diamond Watches. What was your inspiration to, to, to start doing those? I'd started the blog um, essentially during lockdown when there was very little else to do and I'd always been writing bits and pieces here and there, mostly for my own... Um, entertainment and this was finally an opportunity to put something out there and it was just honestly it was just the excitement of the football finally coming back obviously knowing that the likelihood was we'd still not be able to go to games but that we'd be able to see them and I just thought I'd I'd give it a bash I missed the first pre-season game um, which was the draw up at was it Kelty mm-hmm. up at Kelty Hearts the one each um, but I thought I'd give it a bash and I've I've enjoyed doing them. It seems that people have enjoyed reading them. So I've, I'm just going to stick to it because it's been good. It's been good fun. And anybody that hasn't read them yet but is listening to this, where can they where can they find them? So idlehandsduffy.com is the website for the blog. Um, but I put them on Twitter, uh, which is at idlehandsduffy. And I'm always sharing them onto the Airdrieonians Facebook page as well, the fans Facebook page. And you said we can't get along to games. Uh, Alan, what do, what do you make of watching football through live streams? Have you, have you enjoyed it? <laughs> I was just going to ask Andrew that, you know, having watched Pixelot's version of football mm. so far, is he still as enthusiastic about, <laughs> uh, about, about watching football again? What's the sure? What do you think? I mean, it's a less than ideal compromise um, and a pretty much far from ideal scenario. But the alternative would be not being able to see it at all. As it stands right now, it, it's making the best of a bad lot, a very bad lot. But, you know, I think 
Um, bar the four-minute freeze at the start of the second half on Saturday, um, the coverage has come on leaps and bounds from the first few test events, I feel. Yes, it's a fixed camera. Yes, there's no zoom option to try and see it. And if there's action on the far side of the pitch, yeah. we're in big trouble. You know, it can be difficult to make out what's going on. But if you're giving me a choice between that and just try to follow the Twitter feed or listen to like, open all mics or something, then I'm I'm going to take that. That's that's better than nothing. Yeah. And it's a way to support the club as well. I think surely we can have a guy just the old fashioned way of a guy pointing a camera and, and still live streaming it at the same time. It does we don't need to get drawn into this whole thing. As you say, if if it worked fine and it shouldn't be an awkward system to implement, it would be okay, but there just seems to be far, far too many uh glitches in it and it's almost like it hasn't been tested. You know, that that whole it goes for a corner and you know your heart sinks when the, the, the camera starts to pan slowly away yeah. the David Hutton and the other goals and <laughs> you say that that four minute freeze and, and that was after they had been in to try and fix it. I just, yeah. I, you know, and and I'm I mean I'm led to believe it's costing the clubs. I certainly know it's costing the clubs in the leagues below us in excess of ten thousand pounds a season for that. You know, it's it's an awful lot of money, you know, to be for it not to be working and. It, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the shit to hit the fan a wee bit when the first goal is missed. Have you know? You know that it's all yeah. good when when it's it's dribbled out for a corner or it's a shy or something like that. But see if a goal's missed and iPad iPads and laptops go flying across rooms, <laughs> it's it's you know it's just going to be mental. I, I'll be honest. I think if I was any of the football clubs at the moment, I would be loath to to be paying a lot of money for it. And you see, yeah. you know, and this is absolutely ironed out. We are not paying you what is necessary, and we'll get Johnny Cameraman back to do it. You know, the old-fashioned way. I suspect that one of the attractions will be they offer the full platform. So from your footage yeah. through to your secure way to get out. I, I saw something suggesting on Pine Bob from that a whole load of Thistle fans were watching the match from Clyde on a Facebook stream. Which, <laughs> which that's, there's, there you go. They, they were wanting all the football fans to stick together and help pay their legal fees, but they wouldn't pay yeah. Clyde for a stream of the match. <laughs> so, so trying to crack down on that. And I also suspect, Alan, to your point, there's probably got 15 Scottish football clubs forum picks a lot and point to service levels and contracts and, and trying to sort it out. So hopefully it does get better. I think that thing with the corners does seem to fix itself a bit. We're not okay. yeah. we're watching the uh, the Craig Newk end of the game and the corners down the, the other side. So fingers crossed it, it, it keeps getting better. But, but Just I mean, waiting for another sunny day. That, that's the next one. I think that it had a real, real problem with the sun and the, the contrast between the, 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 the shadow and the stand and us wearing yellow strips and whatever. So maybe we just we only play in rain and we only play in uh, our, our, our home strips. Maybe that's the answer. Aye, you'll know. be you'll be fine till April on that basis. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I guess another thing. I mean, lockdown. If lockdown has happened ten years ago, and we're all sitting on a Zoom call just now, we wouldn't have had FaceTime, and and you wouldn't have been able to stream football matches. So yeah. at, at least we've got that level of technology. God bless COVID, that's what yeah, we see. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right, first impressions of the, the, the team. So you, we've, we've had a good chance to watch some of our few friendlies. Um, Alan, I'll throw to you. What, what have you made of the, the, the team so far? Um, bit of a mixed bag, really, I suppose. I think we've been I think we've been tight at the back, but we, we knew we were tight at the back and, 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 uh, and, and I think we've continued in, in that vein. The new signings, I think, have shown up 
reasonably well in patches. There's every one of them has shown something in the uh, in, in the games that they've played, um, and maybe not consistently. Um, of 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 the new starts, I would maybe think that Dean Ritchie maybe has a wee bit more to prove. I haven't seen a lot of him, and I don't know whether it's because he's been playing at the awkward times of a game or whether he's been playing a little bit deep. But I'd, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more from him. Um, uh, the boy Sab- the boy Sabatini, I think, has uh, you know you're getting old when you see the boy or the lad, the lad Sabatini. Um, I, th- I think looks pretty economical on the ball, and he, and he and he keeps things moving forward. Whether he's quite robust enough, I think, to play, you know, against the Montroses and the Bartons of the world, and you know, and you know, I think if anything, looking at the signs, we, I still think we need a, a fairly robust Evan Balfour, Craig Barr type of midfielder uh, that will carry things on forward. Um, I think uh, that's needed. Um, other positives, you have to th- say that. Well, it's a positive and it's a negative because Ali Roy's start to the season was fantastic. I think he's really showed himself. You know, he's come back with a lot of enthusiasm. Um, he was, you know, running down everything. The goals he scored, well, not the Kelty goal, I suppose. That was a bit of a, a clown goal. What, what, what vision? Um, <laughs> uh, what vision to, let, to have that skank off your knee and randomly go into the goals? Aye? But the, the two goals following up that game against the Rovers were superb, I thought. Um uh, so a bit of a, a bit of a sickener to see him get that injury, definitely. Um Karen midfield, I think, has looked pretty useful when you know what the hope was that he would, you know, play, you know, be the link man. His passing is very, very good. Again, you just feel with that a, a wee bit bolstered somewhere with a wee bit more physicality, and and, and that would be useful. And if, if I want to see anything negative about the whole thing, I think I feel that my heart dropped a little bit when we got to the Peterhead game on Saturday and you're looking at six out of the eight new signs that we've put, that, that we've signed, we're all sitting on the bench. That's, you know, we, we know that the defence is quite good. We're looking to bring in new guys uh, that are going to make a difference. And that's and, and the fact that they were deemed not good enough to start the first game for whatever reason, you know, you, you start to question it a wee bit. Is there an argument that we don't need a massive improvement? So we're five points off Raith Rovers when the... Uh, league stopped last year. I mean, we, we always focus on that. We were only two ahead of East Fife and I think one ahead of Montrose. It was it was really tight at the top, but that team was in amongst it. So it's kind of marginal improvements might be enough to to get us in the mix. What, what do you reckon, Andrew? Could, is it maybe just t- tiny improvements rather than wholesale rechange going to going to get us there? I think so. I mean, we have the very odd situation where the league is a lot shorter than usual, right? So there's not really time to gel a whole new squad together in the way that there might be in your more regular run of the season. The fact that we've got such a continuity as a squad and as a starting eleven might well serve us, you know, in, in good stead because we don't need to worry about players working out their combinations with each other, building relationships with each other on a mass scale from front to back. Um, we do look solid, as as Alan was saying. Um, two sloppy concessions to Alawa side. We look like retaining that sort of hard-to-breach, difficult-to-play-against um, element that served as well last season. As you say, we were, we were right in amongst it. We were. Um, I know that Montrose were starting to breathe down our necks a wee bit, but 
you know, we were there or thereabouts all season long. So, um, obviously, you need to caveat everything with its early days. But we do look like a solid outfit. We do look like we've got um, a lot of players who've picked up where they left off um, from last season, having had strong seasons. The backline all had strong seasons last year. Um, with guys like Kerr looking a lot more impactful than they did last season, at least thus far. Um, you know, if, if we can keep you working... We're not, you still feel we're not creating an awful lot of chances, though, don't you, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, that's true. We we aren't the most creative side. We're not the most swashbuckling side going forward. Um, and that's a bit disappointing. You're hoping guys that have come into the squad might might add to that, might give us another dimension. But um, if we can keep working that hard off the ball, if we can keep hassling and harrying and keep our backline intact, then we could be right in there this season. Yeah, I guess that's my, my hope, because you're right, it's early days, uh, but but these new signs we've brought in, particularly around the midfield, and yeah, Alan, they didn't start against Peterhead, but we, you've made the point on here before that we tend to struggle against, last year it was Stranar at home, two draws, so when you're only five points off the top, two draws against Stranar's massive, Stenhouse Muir traditionally would come, Albion Rovers would come and we couldn't beat them, so my hope is that guys like Stokes and Robert, when teams do camp in uh, would be able to have more creative options in midfield who can maybe play that through ball and and Ali Roy's movement looked brilliant against Allard right up until his injury uh, the guys that can play the slide drill pass through through to him uh, so yes they didn't start that game but that's I, I'm hoping that we might be able to rely on greater depth this year what do you reckon Andrew? I think so I mean we've got um, it's still early days for guys like uh, Robert who's never really played senior football before. But with the glimpses that we have seen of him with a bit of an eye for goal and at least a willingness to take on a shot that we see in Stokes, these are the kind of guys that could be impact subs. You know, if we get through the first hour of a match without conceding and maybe having a narrow lead from a set play if it needs to be, or from a goal that we've created, because you've got to remember that Gallagher and Carrick did get a decent goal return last season in a season that wasn't completed then we've got these kind of guys that can come on the park from the subs bench um, and have more impact than maybe the subs bench from last season would have had you looked at the subs bench at times last season and thought what have we got here in terms of options to change it if we need to change it but we might have more impact subs now than we did that maybe can't be starting 11 players necessarily but at least give us some extra options if we need them. It'll be interesting to see how the the Kyle Connell fits into this whole thing mm-hmm. because there's a, a a more robust forward than we've probably had. And I, and I think, you know, there, there almost seemed to be a reluctance to bring in a big bustling sort of number 10 type, type of forward. Um, and, and, and now he's here. Well, there's one or two ways of looking at it. It's another 19-year-old. And, you know, it's... We've had a mixed bag as far as you know youth players have uh, have been, but you know if, if if he can do the job, then then fantastic. If he's if he's not particularly great, it, it begs the question as well why you know our own youth youth players are not getting more of a crack because mm. it kind of you know it defies the need for them if they're we're constantly going to bring in someone else's youth team. Um, but but that that option when we're 
dare I say it, humping up the, the ball up the park, which we are prone to do now and again. Um, and and it's it didn't suit the guys that were there before, but it might just suit it might just suit him a little bit more. And I thought uh, I mean, we've obviously only seen a half of football from him, but I did think he he did look like a bit of a unit, didn't he? He was he was mm. mobile. Um, he had a bit of physical presence about him, and I believe the Kilmarnock fans think he's pretty good. So you know that that might be a that might be a serious option for us moving forward. Yeah, their youth team put up not a bad showing against them, Fairman last week when their COVID ravaged team had still had to play and he's the level or the age group above them so I think that's it well, we've not seen him much yet because I think he was in self-isolation and and was only free to come to training last week so we are pinning a lot of hopes on a, a, a lone move and a, a youngster at that but I don't think it'd be a bad thing to have the option as you say I mean, if, if you do end up lumping the ball then you don't want to be putting up to Garrick and, and Gallagher, whereas a, a big man who can hopefully hold it up and play these other guys in, uh, it might make that a, a tactic and then teams can't just know that they, you sit back in against the drain, they can't break you down. So, yeah. again, yeah, again it's all, I'm, my, my glass is very much half full at the moment because we're, we're early on in the season. Um, I just want it to, to play out in that way. Uh, I, I still hope against hope that at some point we maybe, we maybe play two men up front. I still maintain it's an easy game and if you've got two forwards rather than one forward in and about the box you've got you know a hundred percent better chance of scoring a goal you know I think we've been very guilty of getting into wide positions or, or, or playing diagonal balls into one man and it's easy for two big defenders to mop the situation up yeah uh right predictions for the for the season what do you reckon Andrew? what what would be success Success, well, playoff playoff position would be success, right? Um, first and foremost, you'd want to aim a wee bit higher than that. I don't see any reason why we can't um, contend for the title um, with with Falkirk and Partick. Obviously, they're favourites, um, and maybe being the dark horse will suit us a wee bit. But we were sitting in third place last season. We've added to the squad. I don't see why that would be counted as anything other than success if we keep that level. Alan? I think, I, I think I've got to go along with the, the club's own view of a couple of seasons ago that the, the, when, when Ian Murray first came in, the, the, the target was undoubtedly promotion and we cannot look at circumstances and you know look at being two years further on and not you know deviate from that. It's, it's uh, The league is not good. Um, the teams that have come down have come down for a reason. I think we've got to remember that. You know, we do worry about Partick Thistle and the Falkirks of the world, but they came down because they weren't, weren't good enough for the league above us. Um, we, yes, we do have we, we have had a slightly lesser budget th- than they do, but ultimately we probably had a better budget than a lot of the other teams that were failed to beat. So, you know, if if we think that we cannot beat the Falkirks and Partick Thistles of the world by gelling together a good a good bunch of guys with a you know with a positive thinking manager and whatever then we're beaten already so i i think that would be there i think we've just got to keep ahead of it and and, and think of the the targets that we made ourselves a couple of years ago i think that there is a a point there that the seaside leagues become a lot less seasidey with uh, Falkirk and Partick Thistle joining us, which gives you gives you big games. Uh, and we'll come on to Saturday in a, in a minute, but also it does feel like more of a challenge when you when you go along and you see that they can pull four thousand fans if they're they're doing well. That must just have a massive impact on on budget. But mm. right, on that, so 
we're missing out on Saturday because Partick Thistle always a, a, a great match to go to. You can get out to the West End, you have a couple of drinks, then make your way along to the, the stadium. Uh, it'd be uh, when the fixture list came out and you thought you were going to be get to games, it was one that my eyes were uh, were looking for straight away. Uh, Alan, any memories of Partick Thistle that particularly stand out? I've I've got one saved up here. Uh, see if you come up with it with the same one. I'm thinking of of epic battles of the past. Well, I was thinking of epic battles, as in not on the field, but more on the on the terracing. <laughs> I just always, I just always remembered that we would be in for how quite early doors, and you, you would you would have to walk round the back of the thistle fans because the home fans were at the at the the, the left hand side of the terrace, and then you would wait, and and about five to ten minutes after kickoff, the section B would come in, and it was the same every single time. They would just stand behind the the thistle fans, they would all turn round. There was a bit of chanting, and then there would be a chase. There would be like a swell all the way down, and you know people are falling down terraces, and uh, and it was that that battle all the time. That, that's that, that's probably not the most positive <laughs> memory of the whole thing, but it, it does it does capture a, a, an era. I feel. I'll I'll give you one which is slightly later and, and more family friendly than that one. Then eighth <laughs> uh, of March, nineteen ninety seven. So Andrew, this will be I've been before your time. Uh, Adrian and Alex McDonald are chasing chasing St Johnston, but a wee bit back, but really chasing for the the playoff place. Uh, we've built up a bit of momentum. We go along to Fir Hill and we don't really perform. We're one 0 down. Doddy's throwing the subs on, trying to change the game. Gareth Evans goes. Through on goal, Johnny Martin, brave as ever, dives at his feet, ends up with a broken cheekbone, which we, we find out later was very close to blinding him. Airdrie, down to 10 men, the goalie jersey and the gloves get thrown to Stevie Cooper. Uh, and then we find out that not only is Stevie Cooper ex-gymnast, pretty handy goalkeeper, he can launch a, he can launch a kick out about 70 yards and start attacked off that. Uh, and we, from 1-0 down with 10 men and no goalkeeper, going to win 2-1. Uh, and it's... We've had the reverse of this happen to us with three throwers and Peterhead in recent years. Um, possibly one of the most unbelievable turnarounds I've seen at a game. Uh, Alan, were you there? Yes, I do remember. I do remember that one, and and it was almost like you would you would well Johnny just to stay in the park because a number of injuries that were like career enders for other people that he would stay on the park and 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 finish the game. But I I Stevie Cooper was a good goalkeeper in the in the end, wasn't he? Yeah. I'm actually surprised. I, I suspect that if that happened in this day and uh, age and under this regime, we might end up he would he would play the odd game, get him into the let's get that big long kick out as a tactical uh, <laughs> a tactical uh, ploy in the same way as we have the long throws and whatever else, you know, we could just 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 fit that in. It's like a, it's like an NFL special teams Type, type of a situation, you know, guys in just to do certain things. A couple of my memories, it's, it's funny because a couple of my memories of, of, of Fir Hill are not actually, they're quite general. Um, I don't know, you'll maybe not remember this, Colin, but it was the floodlights that they used to have and they had one floodlight on the left-hand side of the main stand that had a big green light on it and it was almost like, was it the pitch was so rubbishy or something that this big green light cast made the park look greener than it actually was. <laughs> Um, so there was that, and there was a there was, there was an advert for uh, reeds of Pertic. That was what it was. Reeds of Pertic, uh, spelled P-E-R-T-Y-K or something like that. And and that always faced you, uh, looking onto um, just little things like that. Uh, I, there was a while I felt that I, I, I didn't really see everybody win a game there, and they very rarely even scored a goal. 
and there was a horrendous. Did we not lose about seven or eight nothing there? And, and we were five nothing down at half time. We lost uh, there. Yeah, so it was seven, seven nil in the season where we shouldn't have. We weren't expecting to be in that league until the last minute. Uh, and then it was Kenny Arthur in goal. Uh, so Thistle won the league that year. Adrian went down with a, with a terrible season. But you're right, we lost 7-0. Because it was the guy. And the thing that I remember about it was, and it kind of brought home, I was thinking about it on Saturday because the boy Cook was playing again for uh, for Peterhead. And that was, I think, Cook's first game, first full game for Airdrie. And they played him at left back. And he had, and he just wasn't comfortable, and he had an absolute mare, and probably cost four out of the five goals. And I think that was probably, you know, I think the the, the guy struggled to ever sort of uh, recover from that. And has gone on to have a great career elsewhere. But you're right, he looked completely short of confidence. But by that point, and the, the fans were on his back. Uh, another one that, that that stuck to me. I mean, live streaming's not great. A wee step above it, but not quite Sky Sports standards. BBC Alba. Uh, I remember us beating them one 0 at Firhill in the, the the Challenge Cup with early Paul De Giacomo goal, uh, and that got us to the the final against Ross County, which we won. That Andrew, that's probably more your era. Were you were you at that game? Yeah, I was at both of those games. Yeah, I was at that, and I was at the final. That was great. That's the only time I think I seen us beat Partick Thistle. I remember. The season Ian McCall was manager, it was Partick Thistle we were in a bit of a one-on-one battle with at the top, wasn't it, to try and get up to the, the top flight of memory serves. And that was really my memory of Thistle was the team that stopped that. But that game, first time I was at Fur Hill, 1-0, the Giacomo goal, was tremendous. And then the pair for the final was the penalty shootout, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and a penalty shootout that really swung because we were, I think we had <laughs> two penalties to go. We had to score them score them both and they had to miss them both and then that was what happened. So, yeah, it was a, it was a great cut run. That must have been De Giacomo's last game almost. He was another one of these characters that disappeared off the face of the planet, you know, fell out with the manager or something and, and just, you know, never appeared again. Never even appeared on our bench at one point. I think he was contracted for with us for about six months after he played his last game and we never saw him again. He was a good player as well, actually. I always thought he was a fair, a fair player. Yeah, no, is it, I, th- I think it's... I think a foreign name, uh, which is probably why some of our signings this year. Are so good. He's now got uh, an online clothing outlet, has he? Like? <laughs> oh, for, the, for the oversized man. <laughs> uh, which most of his fans subscribe to now. I think. <laughs> uh, after lockdown, I think I, I, I definitely do. Uh, right, this Saturday's game, any predictions? I mean, I, I feel like it's early, but I watched the highlights of their game against Clyde and they didn't look very clever, which was quite heartening to see. When you when you're hoping we can get ourselves into a title battle, so uh, Andrew, I'll throw to you first. You, you got hope for Saturday? I do. Yeah, you almost feel like you're jinxing it when you fancy yourselves to get a result, don't you? You feel like um, I mean, there's obviously the possibility that we could see a reaction for Thistle now, and that Clyde caught them cold first day of the season, maybe not taking it seriously. And I think they have they've got Graham back for the game, don't they? He was suspended. That's why he wasn't playing. I think he can make a big difference to any side at this level. Although I did see someone on Pine Bovril say that he was the best striker in the division, which was um, wild. Um, but he'd make a big difference. So it's possible that we'll see them play a lot better than they appeared to play at Clyde. Apparently they were absolutely dreadful. Um, but if we can outwork them, if we can put that relentless 
energetic off the ball work rating, and I think we could really pile the pressure on them, especially if they don't get an early goal. I think they're going to come out at us quite hard and fast, and that might suit us because we do have pace in the team, um, and we do have someone up top in Gallagher who can hold the ball up. Well, I thought his hold up play on Saturday against Peterhead was excellent at times, um, just retaining possession, keeping possession, despite the fact that they had some big lumps at the back. Um, we had the best away form in the league last year. Yep. So, again, countering at pace suits us. Being the team that's not expected to break a side down suits us. So they could very much play right in our hands. Um, if we can get at their fullbacks, uh, especially Mr. Amy McDonald, then we could, you know, we could really hurt them. I think there's a lot of there's a lot about this game that suits us and suits the way we play and suits our personnel. That being said, we've talked about how solid they've been defensively, so you know that's just jinxed and they're <laughs> going to commit two or three howling errors defensively and be two or three down in the first twenty minutes. So uh, Alan, we've got we've got exes coming back, which always causes a bit of concern. So Ross Docker to you, I think is a smashing football player. Uh, and Joe Cardo, who must be about ninety by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you think they're going to come back to Hunters? Well well, you're thinking that that almost fight with Mark Smith that that uh at the time I thought he he thought better of, but Joe Cardo's brother's like a, a champion boxer, so I don't know. Maybe he can go a bit and maybe they're giving Mark Smith a, a run for for his money. <laughs> uh, but that that's, that seems that, that that seems almost as long ago as McCall's team to me. It wasn't wasn't yesterday that he was coming up to Airdrie from Port Vale. I tend to see it being uh, I tend to see it being one nil, nil nil or nil one. You know, I just, I just think that's the way most of the games this season are, are potentially going to be. That said, that's the, that's the kiss of death. It is going to be a, it's going to be a three-one for nothing, something or other, isn't it? It's going to be a goal fest, probably. Um, yeah, I don't. Again, they're on grass, aren't they? So, yeah. you know, that, this is always a, this is always a thing that I think is a bit of a. You know, does it cause us problems? Does it cause us problems playing on a relative? Well, I was going to say a, a, a flat, good quality surface, but is, you know, that's a that's a bone of contention now, isn't it? As as that part gets older, is that a is is, is a noose around our neck? You know, looking before we obviously replace the thing, is is it difficult to play in, and then we've got to adjust to playing on a a grass part? Do they prefer it? Do they not? I don't. I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the players. I think, I think it was traditionally sand at Firhill, was it not? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Flodden snorters mixed in for good measure. <laughs> right. for the Fuerto Ventura of the Scottish <laughs> right, Guys, thank you for, for joining me. Looking forward to Saturday. Everybody, please check out the, the match reports Andrew puts up. Uh, and next time I speak to you, hopefully we're, we're in the midst of a title run and this will have lost Airdrie and gone to struggle against Cove and Falkirk, preferably draws against them, but that's the fingers crossed that it pans out that way. I'm delighted to have as a guest on the OTL podcast, a, a verified Airdrie legend, Hall of Famer, uh, and for this Saturday's match, very important because he's played for both teams. It could be referred to as the Stephen Doherty Derby, and I'm delighted <laughs> to welcome Stephen Doherty. Hi Colin, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How are you? Yeah. I'm good, thanks. Good. Surviving. This Saturday, uh, you're dripping Partick Thistle and 
I was able to watch about two minutes of a video online, uh, which you'd done with Partick Thistle TV, um, but, but I couldn't get the rest off it. But it started to, started to tell the story about how you were scouted and somebody eating all the hobnobs in the house. So how did you end up at Partick yeah. Thistle? That was Jim Duffy, all the hobnobs. <laughs> um, well, I was playing the Claybank Boys Club. Um, I grew up a Claybank supporter. Um, and I know it doesn't get in very well, now, <laughs> but I did grow up as a Claybank supporter and I played with Claybank Boys Club. Um, under 15s and after the game on a Saturday um, the scout came up and approached me and my dad and asked if I'd be interested in a trial game for Partick Thistle on a Sunday but I always thought I was signing with Clyde Bank you know the, the Steedmans were in charge at that time and they'd always said you know once you're 16 we're going to take you on we're going to I was only 15 at this time um, so I went to on a Sunday and played the trial game at Firhill and it was a team of trialists versus the current Partick Thistle under 18s and Jim Duffy was taking the, the game and I scored two and during the trial game. I was playing centre forward at the time and um, so Duffy had asked me to stay behind and says he wanted to offer me a contract which in the days was like the old apprenticeship you did mm -hmm. a YTS kind of scheme so I said you know I was delighted and he came to my mum and dad's house uh, you know the Monday, the Tuesday, the following week and that was a hobnob story. You know, my mum got these hobnobs out and Jim Duffy just kept eating these hobnobs. <laughs> like, he said he wasn't leaving the house until I signed that form that I was signing with Thistle. So that's how it all started. Um, I went in and done, you know, I started my YTS. I'd just turned 16, had to get permission from a school to leave early. Um, but I, because I had this kind of contract, if you like, on the table, um, they let me leave school early. And... I started my YTS with, with Patrick Thistle. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't, only done about a year and a half, and then they put me on a full contract. I'd, I'd made my debut against Tibbs while I was still on the YTS, uh, Easter Road. And we've spoken before. Uh, I think you were, you were a Panini sticker. You were a, a, a rising star. Rising that, that must star. have been, a, that must have been a thrill. I, you know, I've, I've got one. I've got it somewhere. Um, and I don't know where it is, but I've definitely, I've still got the Panini sticker somewhere. And is this presumably this is part of this under John Lambie at the time? John Lambie was a manager. Um, John Lambie, Jerry Collins, um, Duff was playing, so he was the player coach. Um, so I, you know, John was um, manager at the time, but he didn't have anything to do with kind of me signing. It was it was all done to Jim Duffy, um, and I went in there and. The first thing that they did to me was I, I was still only like six, 15, 16. And they were asking me to play in the Patrick Thistle under 18s. But you only really played in the under 18s and what it used to be like the BP Cup back mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. It was like the under 18 Scottish Cup almost. So they farmed me out when I was only 16 to Pollock Juniors. And that was the best thing ever. Like I watch football now and me going to play junior football when I was only 16, 17 was the best thing that I did. Is that a tough and jack? Absolutely, absolutely. And it wasn't a case of, you know, you went in there and learned how to be dirty or anything. You, you, you learned how to take care of yourself and you had to. Uh, I, I could always, that was always a part of my game where, you know, I, I could take care of myself. But I, I, I remember one game I was playing up front for Pollock, we were playing Peters Hill and it was at Pollock and they had a big centre half who was renowned in the, the days called Pat Kearney. Pat Kearney was a grown man. Pat Kearney could have been in his late 30s, 40s at this time. Mm -hmm. 
and he came up, the ball was down the other end of the park, and, and he came up to me and he's like, how you doing, wee man? Are you Stephen for Partick Thistle? And I, I was so naive, and I'm like, aye, that's me. And he went, bang, right <laughs> off the ball, and knocked me out cold. And that was, you know, everybody had seen what had happened, but the referee didn't see it, but that was like my introduction to the juniors, and I learned quick, I'm going to have to take care of myself, because this is real man's football, this isn't yeah. boys' club anymore. But I loved it. Nah, it was the best thing it, um, they could have done for me. And your first spell at Thistle was something like 91 to 97. Your first team appearance is fairly limited, but was that just more schooling and more developing as a, as a pro? Because nah, if you're only 16, that takes you to... Um, I was 17 um, when I made my debut uh, against Hibs at Easter Roads. Um, Thistle had finished comfortable in the Premier League. And... Um, I was out washing the cars. Every, you know, all the boys had different duties on a Friday. One would be doing like a team hamper. One would be doing the boots, cleaning the dressing rooms. And I was out washing John Lambie and Jerry Collins' car in the street. And um, the window opens and it's John with a cigar and everything. He's like, Doc, Doc, get up here. And he's swearing and effing and blinding. Up, oh, come here. So I'm like, oh no, what have I done? He's been watching me wash his car or something. He's, <laughs> He's complaining I'm not washing it right or something. Um, so I went up to the office and it's full of smoke and he's like cigars. And he's like, where's your boots? And I was like, they'll be in the hamper, gaffer. He says, um, they'll be in the boot room. He says, make sure they're in the hamper. You've made the squad tomorrow. And that was like Friday about four o'clock. I was getting told this, that I was in the squad for the Saturday. I hadn't trained or anything with the first, you know. I just get told I was in the squad. I didn't think I was going to play. Um, I remember going down to the phone box, didn't have a mobile or anything, down to the phone box, phone my dad. Um, I'm in a squad, I'm in a squad. So brilliant feeling. Um, and I thought I was just going for the experience. You know, he'd been the first team squad and everything, only 17. And I was a sub. And I got on for like 20 minutes or something. We won 1-0. It was a brilliant day. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Lambie, massive character in the history of not just part of this, but you'd say Scottish football. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what was it like for you? Was it good for your it was, development? It was good for me. John, if he was, you know, God rest him, if he was in the game today, probably wouldn't be able to get away with half the stuff he did. There's no doubt about that. You know, it was um, it was off, you know, some of it was like touching the line where you shouldn't cross some of the stuff. His language, everybody knows what his language and all that was about, but it was good. I liked it. It was good. It, it made it simple. It didn't confuse things. It made the game simple. Um, there was times where we'd be on the pitch and it would appear with these like massive, massive bits of rope and he'd have the team off you know, a formation and he'd tell everybody to tie this rope around their waist and you're all looking at each other saying, what's he talking about? But it's, it was brilliant. It was genius because it was to try and get you. So like when one person moved, the other person automatically had to move and it made the team rotate but he was trying to get his point across, but he didn't have to bring out this big bit of rope and get everybody. <laughs> but that's, you know, that was his way of working. Um, we used to go up Rock Hill Park and train, and Rock Hill Park, if anybody's been in it, would know that this is just like a park with hills and all that, and you've got to be and try and play a game on it. It's, it's training. Um, got with no goalkeepers, and, you know, outfield players would be the goalies and all that. It would just, it would be mental. Some of the stuff he would do would be like absolute mental, but for me personally, it was I loved him. He was great, um, and you know, you know that I went back and signed for him again, um, a second time, just because I knew what I was getting. He was honest. He was up front. 
he would tell you how it is, and that, that's what I liked. And happy times at Partick Thistle. Uh, I mean, you, you then you then had looking at it uh, one year away, but you came back. Is that what you're saying? When you yeah, were signed uh, for great time, great people, great times. I made my debut when I was 17. John then went to Falkirk and Murdoch McLeod came in as the manager. And Murdoch McLeod started playing me. I was only 18, 19. Came on as a sub, scored against Hearts. Following week, scored the winner against Motherwell. Two weeks later, scored against Celtic, all within a month. So I was only still young, 19-year-old. And, you know, I had this month that you couldn't make up. It was, you know, everything I touched just went well. So... I, you know, I liked Murdo as well. Murdo was great. He was hard, um, obviously very experienced. But the out of in the second, the first year was a very first playoff game between the Premier League and the First Division. We were the Premier League team, and United were the First Division team at that time. And um, we drew with them at Firhill, went up midweek to Tannadice, and we were winning, getting injury time, and. Guess who popped up to score in the 95th minute? Coyley. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you've got to be kidding me on. Coyley scores a winner in injury time, and um, that was us relegated. And that's where the demise of Patrick Thistle really started happening after that playoff. The club yeah. was now the same again. You then leave to come to Airdrie, uh, Airdrieonians under Ian McCall. Uh, now, you McCall cobbled a team together over the course of that summer, uh, but exceeded all Airdrie fans' expectations and ended up in a title race with Partick Thistle, uh, yeah. which which we ran out of steam and probably ran out of cash a bit, um, but but a great season. Uh, what was what was he like as a coach? Why do you think he was able to pull together that team, which also won the Challenge Cup mm-hmm. in such a short space of time? Coley was brilliant. He, he was like. He was, he was young and he was quite inexperienced. Cause I, I'd been at Clay Bank with Collie. I was at two years at Clay Bank with him. And he, he did what, what he did at Airdrie, he did at Clay Bank previous. He put all these, we were the we were the pub team of the first division and we were going and beating Falkirks and all that every week. It What he, he did great knacker was the team spirit. Uh, like team spirits in the dressing rooms where I've been has been the mainstay of a successful team. Probably don't get it as much now because the characters might not be there, but that's one. There was Collie, Big Chizzy, um, Brian Rice might have been there as well. All good guys, good coaches, good assistant managers, and the atmosphere in the dressing rooms. Like I say, the Clybank dressing room, the Erdrionians that year, dressing room, amazing. And then all at the Erdrion United um, spell. One thing that we all had was brilliant, brilliant dressing rooms. Great atmosphere, great boys, no cliques, nothing like that. Brilliant. And listen, that takes you a long way. See if you've got a good dressing room who everybody's in it together and going out and fighting every Saturday for each other. That takes us half the battle. And that, that, that's the thing that Collie always, he always maintained that um, the dressing room would be good. He wouldn't sign anybody who he thought was going to disrupt a good dressing room. And I mean, the, the people that he managed to bring in uh, was. I mean, you own Coyle, Matt Roberts, who both still went on to play for years and years. Aye. Neil McFarlane, uh, I'm to, Kevin James. It, 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 it's, it's kind of gone that teams didn't want to keep these guys when you saw how, how good they were under McCall. Well, that, I think that was the thing where I see all these guys, you know, the boys I've just named there, Marco, Big Kevin, Big Alan McManus, they all made a wee point to prove as well because they were our top players. They were all brilliant, brilliant players. 
and they probably had a wee bit to prove where they shouldn't have been released for the Hearts or the Falkirks, wherever they'd been released. But we didn't have training gear at either. Like we we would turn up and train every day, and there'd be people wearing Hearts gear, Falkirk gear, <laughs> We were all turning up with different training gear on for different clubs every day, and we didn't even look at, we didn't have a training base. We were either um, West of Scotland rugby ground, Hamilton Park, um, Strathclyde Park. Sorry, we were all over the place. It was, it was like just like you say, just this bunch of boys put together, and we all just bonded. And it was a brilliant, brilliant team spirit there as well. But that's that's the, yeah, that was that's Collie. Like I say, very very good. Lots of time for him. Really really good. And then, but at the end of that season, Airdrie going to liquidation. I mean, is it easy to focus when it's just absolute chaos off the pitch? You've given more insight there. Uh, it was it was a shambles to start with in terms of they weren't giving you any resources. <laughs> presumably, you're then not getting paid by the end of it. Uh, I, I mean, presumably, you've got to have a sense of humour about you. Again, I think that gave Colin the credit because... I'm sure there was times where we went weeks or months without wages coming in, or it was always late. And we we probably more we could have got up and walked if we wanted, but you wouldn't you wouldn't have done that to Collie because he built up that team spirit where you wanted to do something for him. Um, but it was I it was a shambles, wasn't he getting away from it? You know, we were turning up week week to week, not knowing what was happening, and you know, it's your job at the end of the day. People's got mortgages and family and it's not a nice situation but you probably just, we just wanted to train and play in the Saturday and get the results what was we were you know what was going on in the background we couldn't do anything about at the end of the day yeah. if it was going to you know explode during the season it was it was what it was we just wanted to train and play um but again if there wasn't that team spirit that Collie had built we probably would have went our own ways before we, we had to yeah. um but listen again but you look at the squad, look, some of the boys you've just mentioned there, to pull that team together and put it into a club that shows such a, you know, a symbolic state, it says a lot for Collie as well, for people wanting to go and play for him. And had you been through the Safety Jags era when you were at Thistle? No, I had escaped that. You know. <laughs> um, I had left, Pat, like I say, I left Patrick Thistle the year after the playoff, and it was then that the Safety Jags thing started because... You know, just getting relegated for the Premier League, even going back then, just financially, I think it crippled Thistle. They just didn't recover from it. The Save the Jags was the year after I left, if you like, or two years after I left, it might have been. At which point you were at Clyde Bank? I was either at Clyde Bank or it might have even been the year at Airdrie. It might have been my second year at Clyde Bank, I think. So you, you've, you've gone for the really stable club stock between <laughs> that's all quite bank and Airdrie. You, 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 must, you must have been questioning why stay in football because you're powerless as a player. You can maybe reach out to the PFA, but but you're you're worried about your money coming in to pay your mortgage and stuff when all these clubs. Are in the house, um, every club that I've played for has been like um, financially ruined, but it's certainly not because of my wages. I, I can assure you that, um, but. Like I obviously parted Clay Bank. Um, we had two brilliant years at Clay Bank. Um, we got promoted um, for the second division into the first division with Collie. And at that time, the Clay Bank fans had turned on us. They were support. They were going to our games and supporting the other team because there was this like um, they were talking about Clay Bank going to Ireland. They were talking about them going to Carlisle. So we were going to away games. 
Well, the, the game we got promotion, for example, was at Brecon last day of the season, and all the Clyde Bank fans have turned up with like coffins and they're cheering Brecon and they're cheering the other team that we're going to up against for promotion when they were scoring. And it was bizarre. They were booing when we got promoted, and that, that was their own team. Presumably, yeah. it's like me with Airdrie. So we're such a small club, you know a lot of the guys. So you're looking into yeah. the terrace and the breaking. You're presumably at school with a whole load of the guys that are carrying the coffins. Crazy, absolutely crazy. Because, like, obviously there's a bit of history um, behind it. But I used to walk down Claybank Shopping Centre and people would be giving me dogs of this. And it wasn't because it was because of the Airdrie thing. It's it's, it's crazy, crazy. You see, so there's then a bit of a summer chaos for, for Airdrie. Uh, eventually, take over your, your boyhood club, Clyde Bank, and get away with changing the name and moving to Airdrie, uh, and you sign for us. So, you, But then it's quite an ambitious club. Uh, again, pull together a good, a good pool of players in quite a short space of time. Uh, go on to have a great spell where just miss out on promotion in the first season, but go on to win the league. You're captain. You score the first goal, beautifully captured by Robert Dale in, in photo, yeah. you in mid-flight, uh, and you're going to lift a, a, a league trophy. So presumably your time in the Airdrie United years was a, a very happy one. Brilliant. That was the time of my career. It's not, there's no getting away from it. You know, it's great making your debut as a youngster and scoring against Celtic and things, um, but the years... It, Airdrie, the year of Airdrie Onions was great, but it was a new level for me, the Airdrie United. Just um, like you say, you know, the goal, losing out in promotion that last day down at Stranra, um, and the way it happened where it got announced that we were up, you know, it came over the tannoyed and we were celebrating on the park, and then they get told we weren't. So I remember saying to the boys, um, it was either in the changing room or the bus up the road and I says to them, I says, remember this feeling? I says, because it won't happen again. We're going to go and win the league next year. Let us stick together and let the gaffer bring in a couple of bodies and we'll go and win the league. And we did. Um, we, we actually, we went to Magaluf, all of us, after the Astronar game the following day. We went for like three, four days because we deserved it. For the, you know, it was, a, it was a hard way to end a brilliant season. But then the following year took care of itself. Um, that was brilliant. That was that love me that season forever. That was just brilliant. Loved it. But, but there's, I mean, there's a low point in that season where we lose five 0 to Morton at home, uh, and I think we'd all have been questioning how it would even be possible that we'd compete for the league. Uh, you then, from the, the, the transfer window on, go on an incredible run and Morton have an incredible collapse uh, and you have the brilliant winning promotion against Hamilton at home, winning the league at Aloha away, beating Morton on the last the last day. So what, what, the lows to the high of that season must have been quite something. It was, but we always, I think like you say, see the, the squad that we finished that season with, that was good enough to go and Win. Well, I'm not saying it would have won the championship, but if we'd have competed in the championship that season with that squad. That was a good, you know. I, I look at it, and I, you know, I look at the goalkeeper with solid goalkeepers, and then you look at, you know, big chalk Neely McGowan, and you know myself and that even playing in a back four. That back four would that that's a solid back four in the second division. We knew we had boys in front is that if we kept the back door shut. We had enough talent up the other end of the park where we were going to win most games. And we had some brilliant players on that team. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, no, we played in that second division. It's, it's some of the talented boys we had were 
unbelievable. Over that period of time, um, you know, you go for your Willoughby Clans, Alan Gows, Jerome's. All these guys were brilliant, brilliant players. They probably should have went and done a lot better than they did, yeah. if I'm honest. Yeah, you got Dosser, Owen Coyle, and Matt Roberts. I mean, it was, it was well, an embarrassment at Richie's going forward. Dosser was one. I, I, I love Dosser to bits. Um, Dosser was one of the most talented boys that I'd ever seen. Natural talent. And he didn't have the career he deserved just because he was Dosser. <laughs> <laughs> and... He is what he is, um, but as a footballer, and listen, he was a brilliant boy, an excellent boy in the changing room, but as a footballer, he was brilliant, natural, brilliant. I, I'd have him on my team all day long, loved him. Looking back on it all, I mean, you, you, we've mentioned you're in the Edry Hall of Fame, uh, you've got the medals from your, from your time there, but you're also well-remembered at Partick Thistle. You must be proud of that, because it's not the, it's not the case with every player. Yes, um, you know, it's good that I, I, it's quite a good thing, I think, that there's only kind of two clubs. I had a career of 14, 15 years, and it's basically spread over two clubs. Um, two years, obviously, at Clyde Bank, which is great because that was my team. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I've been up to Partick Thistle a few times, and they treat you brilliant, and they don't need to do that. You know, I was, as a footballer, I was average, I was just okay. I was, I was never a superstar at any team I played in, but they got there and they treat you with a bit of respect because you did a good job for them. And likewise at Airdrie, you know, I love going up to Airdrie and seeing everybody, but it's a, it's a good feeling knowing that you've, you know, the, the supporters do appreciate what you did. Um, like I say, I was never the most talented or the, a superstar in any team, but I gave 100%. I could, on, I could look in the mirror and say, I gave 100% every game for whoever I played for. That's, no, that, that's definitely true. But more than that, Stephen, I think you, you kind of just did what you had to do. So they would they play everywhere at Airdrie. I mean, you must have played centre-half, full-back, midfield. Uh, and you hear the modern day my United players moaning about not being in quite the right midfield role. What, what do you make of that? Because you just got on with it. Well, that even goes back to Partick Thistle. Because I started off as a centre-forward at Partick Thistle. Murdo McLeod then said I was running about too much as a striker, so he played me at centre midfield. When John Lambie came back for the second time, somebody got injured um, at right back, and he just pulled me out of nowhere and told me to go and play right back. We were playing still in Albion at fourth bank one day, and I'm playing right back, and Kevin Budd, the goalkeeper, gets sent off after eight minutes. And I'm standing right beside the dugout, and I say to John, Gaffer, what we're going to do? We've not got a sub goalie. And he goes, Doc, just go in goals and until half time. Ended up playing the full game in goals and we won 2 nothing. So I've played in goals. Um, I remember playing left back at Airdrie for Sandy. Yeah. I can't remember who it was. It was we, we didn't have a left back and um, I went and played left back again. So it's not difficult. People make it harder than it is. See if you know the game and you know positional wise, you might know with your preference, but just go and do a job, you know, go and give your best, whatever you get asked to. I'd, I'd rather go and play in a position where I wasn't comfortable than sit in the dugout and not get a game. Yeah. So, do, do you get frustrated? So, so like Scotland, you've got Tierney and Roberts and everybody makes a big thing about how do you possibly play them both. Uh-huh. Should, should should it be easier than that? If you get two good players, just you should be able to find a way. I don't Maybe at that level where you should still have probably a good standard of player at every position. So I don't the the Tierney and Robertson is a funny one because 
two of them are brilliant, brilliant players, and we're blessed to have you know two players so good in that one position. But you know, Tierney gets he gets kind of moved in one day, he plays centre half, and he's doing it with Arsenal now, so it probably can work um, with them, get them and you know get two good players, two leaders on the pitch. So I think that's one thing as well. I remember, you know, Ian McCall made a, a comment that I couldn't believe he made one day. I think he was the United manager. And he did a, a, a report, I think it was in the, the Herald or something, one of the newspapers. And he was talking about players and um, players' commitment, I think it was. And he says, I used to have a player called Stephen Doherty and I wish that I had a Stephen Doherty in the United. And he was, he was talking about, you know, how he, commitment he would give 100%, he could play anywhere. And, and you know, he didn't have to do that, but it was really good to read that. Um, so, like I say, I would go do a job anyway. If, it, if the manager asks you to go and play, you go and play. You don't question it. And that's the way, you know, if, if you ask yeah, did, you not, did you not phone him? You'd probably still have been at Paul. You'd say, oh, I'll come and play for you then, the United <laughs> College. Fine. <laughs> I know, I've bumped into him a few times. Well, I, was, um, I was friends with Collie before the management thing and before he started signing me, we had built up quite a good relationship. Um, at Patrick Thistle, he came in as a trialist at the end of his playing career and he was staying in the West End at the time. So I would pick him up. He didn't drive in. I would pick him up in the West End and I'd drop him off after training. So we built up a kind of, we had a good laugh in the car together and built up a good relationship kind of thing. So that's how the... Sign, you know, he told me what was happening at Clay Bank and then he took me up there and everything. So, no, I got on well with Collie. So. Uh, you, you can't take in Saturday's game because none of us can. Uh, you will be able to live stream it if you go on the, the Thistle website. Yeah. Uh, any um, any predictions? I think it, it's a hard one to predict, if I'm honest. Um, Airdrie started well. Um, obviously, big changes over the summer. I don't know enough of, you know, I've not seen them, obviously. I don't know a lot about the boys uh, means brought in, but they look as if I've started reasonably well. Brilliant result there at the weekends. And then you look on the, the flip of that and Partick's up and down. You don't know what you're getting for them one week to another. I think they had a good result last week. Um, Joe Cardle, I think, came on, maybe scored a couple as a sub. And then they went and get beat there. That's so, right. not much as every opportunity could finish the high score and draw, and it's going to go to penalties or something to get the point. But it's not form. I think Edward should go and take care of it. Uh, I think yeah. going by the results, like I say, I've not seen Edward uh, to comment on the players or whatever. But they've scored a few goals, and um, I think I'm more more than confident they can go and get a result. And it'd be good because it'd be good to see them pro, um, progress through this because financially it can't be for good times. I know it. You know, the club where they've kind of went this full-time set-up, I think, haven't they? But they've not getting income coming in for the punters. Um, so, no, listen, I'll be looking at the result and Thistle fans might um, curse me, but listen, I'll be looking for any other victory. I look every Saturday, I look for the results and I look for the Airdrie results, I look for the Thistle results, no doubt about it. But um, if somebody put a gun in my head, I'd be looking for Airdrie to come in top. Stephen, thank you very much for your time. We're both sneaking on to do this during our lunch break, so we'll, we'll yeah. both go back to work. But it's great to hear from you. And I, I said in the build-up to this, I mean, you've had a brilliant career. It'd be bit good to do uh, something a bit more full with you for the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, in due course, it's been really yeah. good speaking to you. Yeah, 
I'm joined on the OTL podcast by a Partick Thistle fan ahead of Saturday's big game. So it's Mary Hill for thrills, Robertson's for roles, but it's live streams for dreams at the moment because uh, we can't actually get along to the match. But he's here to speak to me tonight. Welcome to the OTL podcast, John Kane. Thanks very much, Colin. Good, good to be here. Um, I hope I can enlighten you and your, your listeners a wee bit more about the, the pitfalls of falling Partick Thistle. John, tell us a bit about how you became a, a Jag. How did you fall in love with the team? Sure, I think I, I was born in Mary Hill. Um, my dad was a was a Thistle fan, and I kind of think it just it just followed from that. And when I was younger, um, I went to every game with my dad. A wee games as well, years and years ago. I'm talking about in the the, the, the kind of late sixties. Um, and then obviously, I think after our um, League Cup victory. Yeah. In 1971, that I was 10, I was there. So I think from there, um, I think I got the bug and got it badly, believe it or not. Um, and, and to this day, I still go home and away every game um, I can and really struggling just now, to be honest, we're not getting to games, Colin. And have you been have you been watching the live streams so far? Have you, have you been, what's your, because you'll have your routine, you have your mates that you see. Uh, what's it been like watching at home? Have you got, have you found a, a replacement routine to just try and get you through? Well, I think what we've done is, you know, because of the, the, the kind of restrictions in Lanarkshire, then I've got to watch it on, on my own. Um, but we've got, obviously, the, the usual chat going on in the in the WhatsApp. But the stream's the stream. But I think looking at a stream and then looking at a stream without any fans, it's a wee bit surreal, isn't it? You know, but personally, Colin, I, I want to go back to football when, when we can go back properly, like, like real fans. I don't want to be sitting in a, a socially distanced crowd with a mask on and I can't shout and I can't jump up and down and... You know, it's not for me. I like my football on my Saturday and, and or midweek games where you're going with your mates and you're having a bit of banter and you're going to the pub before the game and you're maybe meeting other fans and all of that. That's all part of the match day experience for me. So um, going going in the current climate, I'm, I, I probably would go, but I don't. I, I wouldn't relish it to be honest. Yeah, I think we're we're all on the same page. Um... So you've mentioned the League Cup victory there as that that must have been that must have been incredible. But but happiest memories as a Partick Thistle fan is is that is that the number one? Well, no, I think I think there's there's, there's 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 a couple of things. I think for me, one of the big things was um, when we played in the Inter Total Cup mm-hmm. in 1995, um, and we went to Mets for a, a, a three day trip which was absolutely fantastic. You know, I think that for any fan of a club who don't get European football, getting the opportunity to, to go away um, with your mates um, to France to watch your team playing was just unbelievable. And I know you guys have probably had more recent trips to to, to Europe, but for, for me, that's been the only opportunity I've had. That's probably the happiest memory. You know, a, a few other big ones around about there. There's that, 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 kind of more meaningful ones. For example, the the, the first division playoff game um, against Peterhead in 2000, 2006, when we were destined to stay in the first division for a second year, but um, we we were two one up against Peterhead and the two one down against Peterhead in the final at Farhill. They beat us two one. We went to Peterhead and then they went one up. We equalised in the game, but we're still three two down. And then 90 second minute, we get a free kick that scored nowhere, deflects off a Peterhead player, goes in, and then we win the game in penalties. So that that for me was, and I think the importance of that was really about had we stayed down, I don't know where we would be now, to be honest yeah. with you. 
it was just an opportunity. And then when we got up, then that made all the difference. I think when we started to build from from there. So that's another happy memory. Um, I've got a few happy memories against Derby. If you want to hear them, yeah, of course. Hi, I think I think in the uh, uh, league league um, league one of the season in in 2012 2013 when we beat Airdrie 7-0. At Fair Hill. And the only sad thing about that was the fact that another guy that's played for both clubs and is a legend at Fair Hill, Kenny Arthur, was in goal for Airdrie. He's now our goalkeeping coach and, and absolutely got a testimonial at Fair Hill. And I genuinely felt a wee bit sorry for him, just for a wee bit. And that same season... Right, he was celebrating the, the sixth and seventh one, so he also wasn't too bothered about it. <laughs> no, I think he was. I think he was, he was in the North Stand with the rest yeah. of us. Um, <laughs> But that same season, one of my favourite all-time games, believe it or not, happened that season. Um, I waited you guys when um, it was a game that virtually sealed the the, the league for us. We were 1-0 down against you guys in the 89th minute and we scored an, an equaliser in the 90th and the winner in the 92nd minute. And that same day, Morton uh, lost to Dunfermline. So it meant the following Tuesday we could win the league um, at home. So that, that, again, was another really, really happy memory and a bit more relevant to, 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 to yeah. this weekend. So, we John, both the home games that, that year when you won the league, uh, I think the first one was a one each straw. And it was, yeah. It, it is some really long record where Thistle hadn't won in Airdrie Old Broomfield or New for some crazy length of time uh, and scored first in both games, but it was real back to the wall after that. But I can just... It's one of the... The occasions I can remember watching football where it's just the energy of the crowd when you scored that equalizer in the second game, you knew the goal was coming because yeah. it would we'd been like stoutly defending all game, uh, and it just the noise coming from the the Thistle because you had a massive crowd through filled that right, and yeah. uh, it was it was guaranteed the second goal was. Coming. Yeah, yeah, right, Colt. Because I think the thing that I remember is that when we equalized, the players didn't celebrate; they they all ran back. And like you say, there was something thinking this this could this could happen, this could could come. A wee, a wee quick story about that. I was due um on the Sunday after that game to fly out to Ibiza with my wife for a for a, a few days. So that would be like for four days. But that meant if I did that, I was going to miss potentially the win in the league against Wraith Rovers on the Tuesday night at Fair Hill. And I'm saying I might never see this again in my life. You know, I'm, I'm, that, that, at that time I was 57, I said, no chance. So when I come home and I said, look, I can't, I can't go to Ibiza. We'll need to do something. So eventually my, 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 my good lady um, did me proud and took her pal with her so that I could go to the, I could stay here and go to the Wraith Rovers game, which ultimately we drew and we didn't win the league anyway. So it was a bit, <laughs> all about a futile exercise. But it was, uh, so the, the, that, that game brings a lot of happy memories. Yeah, no, that's a strong... What about Old Broomfield to me, if you've been going, going since the 70s, yeah? Loved it, absolutely loved it. And funnily enough, the other day there, I was looking through some old programmes, coincidentally, before before we, we spoke, Colin, and, and, I, and I dug out a couple of uh, Broomfield bulletins mm-hmm. from uh, 1981, 1982, um, and I loved Broomfield. Broomfield was a proper football stadium, and I loved the, the kind of... It was always... As a young boy at that time, it was quite it was quite edgy, you know. We would get the the the, the supporters bus that would park kind of in the street parallel uh, to to Broomfield. You go into the game, then after the game, it was just run as fast as you could, 
round the back, out onto the main road and up into the back street to, to get the bus. And if you made it, you'd done really well, you know, some <laughs> sort of altercation. But in all honesty, the, the, it was a fantastic football stadium. And I, I think that, that, you know, when you talk about rivalry, I think since, since football's moved away from a lot of those those kind of grounds and in the more the kind of, you know, the bog standard Legoland, yep. that I think that the, the kind of rivalries not as intense the the, the 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 atmosphere and the and the logistics don't don't allow for it whereas years ago you're, you're both at the same the same terrace and you might be split by a fence or I can remember when you weren't split by anything and it was just kind of um, I can an imaginary line down the middle um, and I think now a lot of the rivalry is 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 kind of gone or the intensity I think it's gone Colin I think yeah I think you need a because that game you give the example of at the new place. There was an atmosphere that day, but only because there was so many of you. I mean, it, it really needs probably needs three thousand in there to, to make it possible. Whereas at Broomfield, you didn't, uh, and uh, even just the terrace and the two sets of fans next to each other, and that was the same at Brockville and loads of other places that will, will, will both have been. You, you didn't need massive crowds to, to kind of have that that feel under the shed on the terrace. Uh, it was great. But what about Fair Hill? So you've you're still in your spiritual home, but obviously there's been big changes. You've got the, the big massive stand, which most fans tend to be in. The last time I was there, League Cup, the start of last season, yeah. the behind well, the no, goal, you... yeah, yeah, the behind the goal with the the flats development and the new stand there. Uh, this will just me have made the effort off get the noisy fans and a lot of colour and stuff in there. I mean, do, do you feel like you've retained as much of it as you can when moving to? Kind of safe seating and uh, and everything that a modern modern stadium entails. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think and I think the club fair play to the club and I think that was in, uh, ironically that they, they they decided that in season 2012-2013 that 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 should be the place where people could go who wanted to stand during the game, um, and that that would be the area where they would they would encourage people to go who want to stand and who want to sing and stuff like that. And since then, it's 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 been great. And that's where I go, um, and know know that I'm, I'm I'm one for for singing a lot and stuff like that. But I like to stand, and it's a really good atmosphere behind the goal, even if there's only two or three hundred people there. That everybody's there with the, with the same kind of the same kind of mindset, and and they, they have a they have banter if you like with the, the Jackie husband stand to a rustling the sweetie papers kind of thing, you know. So it's uh, it's good. And and I think and I think as well people people complain about we've got one end behind the goal that's we call the bing that's just the grass area and they need to do something with that and they do, but what we certainly don't need is any more seats because it's going to be I don't I don't ever see us unless it's the old firm filling um, over ten thousand um, and I just think that it would, it would be a waste of money to spend a lot of money and that and yeah tidy it up or maybe block it off or something or if you could sell it for for office block or which was which was in the, the pipeline some years ago but other than that I wouldn't change it and I think because we've retained the old main stand I think there's still a wee bit of the kind of original fur hill still mm-hmm. there and I think as long as they keep that in the facade of that that's that, that that's fine for me. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You're right. I mean, an empty stand's not going to add atmosphere. And actually, it's quite depressing looking out onto what Clyde have got at Broadwood with the 
the gym and everything there's not to me it's not bad it, it keeps the sound in uh, you're not looking at empty seats it's it's a use for I mean they, they don't own it but North Lanarkshire at least it, it's got more purpose rather than being yeah. empty 13 days in a fortnight so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see see what develops there um, right we talk about yo-yo clubs and football sometimes but I mean Partick Thistle will do it in style uh, you'd need to be like, around the world trick on a, a yo-yo when you beat us and got promotion up to the Premier League and then you got into the top six and then a Euro Millions winner comes along, so this is not a businessman that's worth X amount on paper. This is somebody with cash in the bank. And he's a philanthropist and he's interested in your youth setup. It sounded like finally everything had aligned for you. Um, but you've obviously had a rough few years and you find yourself back down at the, the same level as us. I mean, that must that must be taking your emotions through the mill surely over the last few years yeah you're absolutely right Colin I think that that, um, when when we made top six that was a real real achievement and people say what's top six but for a club like Thistle that was an absolutely fantastic monumental achievement from where we'd been Um, and I think the challenge then was to kick on but the top six was a reality check. We never won a game in the top six we lost the last game 7-0 to Aberdeen and then the next season um, Archibald was too loyal to too many of the, 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 the same players that he'd had the year before who let him down and he, he stuck with them and ultimately they let, they let us down and I think that the, the thing for me that annoys me when, when it came to the playoff watching the, the, the playoff semi-finals between Livingston and Dundee United everybody was hoping Livingston would win because we thought Dundee United were still the, the, the name if you like or the bigger mm-hmm. club we thought if we have to play them because with the experience with them and they beat us in the playoff final in, uh, in 1996, which is one of my lowest points as a Thistle fan when they beat us up at Tannadice in the second leg. But I think, ironically, Dundee United would have probably been a better option for us in the playoff final. Livingston's energy, the the, the way they, they, they put themselves about, particularly at that time, um, just didn't suit us. And yeah, and then the, the, the next season we went into free fall. We, we, we let Archibald go. We've got Gary Caldwell in, who was not a good appointment at all. I think his recruitment let him down. And it's funny because he had a few sessions where he invited fans up and he talked them through his tactics and how he laid out the team and that. And when you went to listen to him in this presentation, it was absolutely fantastic. It was brilliant. But it just didn't transcend onto the pitch. And some of the players I signed were, were, were shocking. Um, and they, they stuck with him longer than they should have. Ian McCall then now as the, the, a different guy and you, you talk about Colin Weir, I think Colin Weir's support that, that, he's, that he's put in and, and before he died um, will allow us to, I think, sustain a year, maybe two in this league, hopefully not. But I think beyond that, we will then go back to the realms of maybe a hybrid model of full-time, part-time. So I think this year is really big for us to get back up because I think we've got finances there that will support us just now but I think much 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 beyond maybe next season I think we would be we would be in trouble but yeah Colin Weir has done fantastic in terms of when he put money into the club it wasn't around let's let's buy two marquee signings it was more about let's develop the youth and and that's what and we've had a few players through through the academy one that you'll know is uh, Liam Lindsay who was yeah. a loan uh, um, and we lost him after after we made the top six the following seat in the summer. He went down to to, um, to Barnsley, and we made some money. And I think that, that overall we've made about half a million pounds from that. And he's add on from his sale to Stoke. 
Um, so I think we've been we've been really fortunate, but now we're getting into the the the, the unknown as far as I, th- I think around the fan ownership. I don't know how that's going to work. I'm not really that close to it, but I I don't know, and it just depends. I think the quality of the people who who take over it. Yeah, and we've skipped over the, the premature end of last season, and even as a fan of what well, we'd like to consider ourselves one of your traditional rivals. Yeah. Uh, even we, even I think that's galling that the league have this flagship cup tournament. They ask you to prioritise that over uh, over your normal league fixtures, and then you come out with the points per game. When it was so close with this, yeah. so uh, it just seems completely ridiculous. And then all the league reconstruction stuff falls apart uh, for, for obvious reasons. Um, do, we, do, do you feel cheated by it all? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So many different levels, uh, Colin. If you take if you take right away the the fact that with the game in hand over Queen of the South, we win that, but we're, we're above them in the league, and the game in hand was because we played in the Challenge Cup. Yeah. The SPFL asked us to do so. We played a Friday night game, a game against Inverness away. The next day was cancelled, and we we'll, we'll, we'll end up um, at the bottom of the league at a time when they called the league. And then the whole debacle around the Dundee vote and the kind of Celtic influence and or alleged Celtic influence rather, then I think really feel feel cheated. The, the reconstruction, I think it was clear some clubs in the first division, and I don't blame them, had ulterior motives in terms of the kind of crowd that they know that Thistle will bring, um, that it was in their best interest to keep Thistle in League One. And I fully understand that from a selfish club's perspective. I understand it, but from a, a, a kind of football integrity and fairness perspective, it was it was just completely and utterly wrong. And, I, and my stock answer to a lot of this is that had that same situation been in the Premier League and Rangers were two points behind Celtic by game in hand, I doubt the league would have been called. Yeah, you know, and I think that's and, and I think that's the thing. Um, so, and I think it was unfair in McCall because McCall had had in the January actually more or less started to assemble his own team. And moved on a few of the players that, that Gary Caldwell had, some of the the the, the, the residue that was left. Um, and he brought in Brian Graham and Zach Rudden. We had the young boy Lewis Mayo and loans from Rangers, who in the short time we saw him was absolutely outstanding. And we thought, right, we're in a shout here now, and, and, and we started to pick up. But you know the ironic thing? See, see um the, the second last game before we played lockdown was, was against Queen of the South at Fir Hill. And we drew now now. And during the game, we got um, awarded a penalty. Darius and Atta get filled in a box. We got awarded the penalty. And just as we're ready to take the penalty, the linesman puts his flag up and then decides that Darius and Atta might have been offside. So the penalty was was, was changed and, and, and an offside decision. It was so bizarre. It wasn't like, you know, he put his flag up right away. The penalty was awarded, everything was sorted, and then they put his flag up and having the referee in a consultation. So the irony of that is, had we scored that penalty, had that that continued and we scored, yeah. then we will be out today. So it's everything that just seems to be kind of conspiring against us, you know. So uh, I say it's been 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 hard to take, but I think now that they have to they have to do their talking on the pitch now. I think there's been enough said about it, and we're not going to be able to do anything. But it'll be interesting to see what happens when, if anything similar happens this year. Yeah. Whether there'll be the same kind of parity, depending on who's at the bottom of the various leagues. 
Yeah, no, it, it will be, oh, hopefully not, but the way things are just now, then yeah, you yeah, can't rule it out. Uh, Ian McCall, Ian McCall had a, a very short stint in, in charge at Airdrie, and, uh, and he, he wasn't loved, uh, because not down to him. The, the money at that point seemed to be coming from Bill Barr or some sort of place in that area, and it was a bit of a, a, a puppet chairman put up, and it never really made sense. Uh, so Ian McCall's Welcome to Airdrie was a open meeting in Airdrie Town Hall where you get eggs thrown at him, uh, really? and a banner was unveiled saying, Bill Barr's puppets, Ian McCall's Muppets, Airdrie Till I Die. So it was quite, I mean, it was, and Brian Rice was sitting next to him, it was quite a, uh, it was quite a baptism. Yeah. He, he then won everybody over because he, I spoke to Stephen Doherty about this earlier, uh, he was part of it. He pulled together a, a terrific squad, had a great uh, title fight with, with Partick Thistle, which we, we came out second best. Not only that, we then were, were liquidated, so not, not a good end to it at all. Yeah. But uh, against a background of absolute craziness, he, he did a, a brilliant job in pulling a team together. Um, he, I mean, you lost to Clyde last week, and, and looking at message boards and stuff, it seems like some fans are already on his back. Do you yeah. trust that he's going to turn it around? No, definitely 100%. I think I think it's been so stop-start that it would be really unfair to, to I think, with his track record. And, and you can see what he's trying to do and you can see the, the, the players that he's, that he's brought in. I think where, where fans will probably get on his back is I would arguably say that the squad that we have is, is comfortably capable of getting top four in the championship, never mind in, in, in League One. If you think about some of the players that we've got playing for us now, we've taken Ross Doherty, their captain, United's captain in the centre of the park, who's looked fantastic. We've got Brian Graham, Zach Rudden as, as, as two guys up front, you know, Stuart Manigan's still playing for that, Darren Brownlee from Queen of the City. We've got a really, really good squad and I think um, and I think that's why fans are getting on his back. And I think fans are a wee bit edgy because it's such a short season mm-hmm. that you can't afford to lose too many games at the start of the season or you're not going to be in and around the mix because I think you guys will be a dark horse. Cove and Falkirk, I think, are, are, are going to be, I think the four of us are going to be in the mix throughout, throughout the season. So but I would definitely know, I think, McCall. Interesting that season you spoke about, um, Ian McCall, when, 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 when we won the league um, that year, I was at a game and I was in the stand. It happened to be at hospitality that day. Mm-hmm. And your game was off. We were playing there United. And Ian McCall was sitting behind us with one coil. And I remember him saying, such after the game, we beat Air, we beat Air 2-1, and we'd been down to 10 men for most of the game. And he said that if Airdrie hadn't spent so much money on hospitality boxes in the stadium and maybe invested some of that in underfloor heating, um, underground heating, that they might be in a, posi- a better position than they were in because our advantage that season was the under soil heating. We yeah. played all our games. We didn't have any games called off at Firhill. So everybody was playing catch-up. Yeah. And we were always getting a game. And at a point, Airdrie were playing, I think, two games every week to catch up. And I think it caught up in the end because I think we finished about 10 points ahead of you, didn't we? Yeah, well, was yeah, it, towards the end. I mean, by the end, uh, it was the last game at, at our place and it finished a draw if you'd won the league I think if you'd won I think you won the league that day yeah, and, and Lambie made pro- uh, comments in the press about he thought McCall was uh, going on a bit about 
how restricted these resources were and stuff. And McCall had to play himself as sub that day because we never had right. enough to fill the bench. And uh, and McCall was not in shape to come on the pitch. So no, I, I, think he, I think he looked across and said, yeah, OK, fair enough, you maybe are struggling. But, but you're right, we were behind you, but with all these games in hand, the league table always looks great with games in hand, but you yeah, need, it to does. Win, need to win. That season as well, uh, Colin, um, Allegedly, the rumor, very strong rumors, was at the start of the season as well that um, on the Friday before the, the, the season started, the, the own coil was signing for Thistle. And McCall came in and made him an offer he couldn't refuse on very, at the 11th hour on the Friday. And, and there's always been a love hate relationship with Owen Coyle and Thistle fans. Um, more hate than love, I have to add. Yeah. But I think one of the, the we would love to have had him. And in so many occasions, we were rumoured to be getting them. But at that season, the start of that season, that was the, the, the year when apparently Lambie had almost agreed a deal. Yeah. I think Ian McCall came in with some finances and got them at the last minute. So, yeah, was, that was a wee bit ironic. That makes sense. There was phone calls going about here getting asking people to uh, throw some money in to secure yeah. and coil. So I, I can well believe it. Uh, and he was a hero with us. But... Again, back to that town uh, hall meeting, Ian McCall spoke to the fans and was talking about players that he thought he could bring in. And he mentioned Jerry Britton's name, and there was like, oh, for uh, uh, all around the hall. Jerry Britton, I think, was your top scorer that year, maybe outscored Coyle to help you secure the league. So, uh, so, so there you go, swings and roundabouts. It's funny. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The couple of questions which I hadn't given you in advance, but just as we speak here, I mean, you, you're a, a Mary Hill boy. Uh, what is who is Partick Thistle for? Uh, and I asked this because um, I was in Mary Hill uh, the other week with. Uh, you can see I'm holding a baby at the moment. Yeah. My wife was on a training course, and I was up and down Mary Hill High Street, thinking you don't really know that there's a, a football team here. Maybe because of the tune and the fat stuff, everybody thinks of you as the, the team for the, the West End lovies. And I, and I wonder, it's difficult, Airdrie, a similar area, getting people who would have traditionally supported the team through the gates when you're up to, I don't know what you are, we're £17 for a home game. So is, yeah. is Partick Thistle close enough to the community in Mary Hill or is that something that, that needs to be worked on? I, th- I think they're close enough to the community in terms of what they do with the local community and, and, and supporting the, the community, and particularly mm-hmm. through the last period, as most clubs have been. But um, I think the, the Mary Hill is now being kind of demolished and rebuilt, and a lot of people who live in Mary Hill are not people from Mary Hill, are not people who had any ever any um, association with the club, so it's really difficult, Colin. And, and I think most, most Thistle fans, the majority of Thistle fans now, maybe have got relatives or did come from Mary Hill years ago, but now I think their actual support in Mary Hill would be negligible. Um, I think that's just that, that that's just the, the way it is. And I think Thistle for years have tried all the, you know, kids kids go free up to the age of 16. They have done for quite a number of years, which is a really good initiative. And I think also when kids get to 13, 14, they don't need to be accompanied by an adult. Yeah. They can come up and get a ticket and go in. So they, 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 they do try. But I think like everybody, I think now our core home support, you know, if we were top of the, the League One this season and, and we were going to games, would probably be about three, three and a half thousand. Um, even in the Premier League, it wasn't much more than that. Um, okay, the first season there was a novelty. Um, and, and I don't and I think we're, we're up against, obviously, like, like you guys are, um, the old firm. 
Um, and what, 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 what a good alternative. And I think a lot of the reasons why I went to Farhill with my dad was for that very reason, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to stop you getting associated with either, either of the old firm. And, 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 and I'm glad you did, you know. Um, so I think, I think Farhill for, for, for most people is a... It's, it's, and it's always like, you might get it, but what team do you really support? That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm a Thistle fan. What team do you really support? It's, it's the most annoying question and it still happens. And, you know, and uh, all you Thistle fans are really Rangers fans or all you Thistle and it just does your nothing. You know, it really does. And on that, though, I mean, three and a half thousand, you, you dismissed that figure, but I, uh, there's an interesting point of where do you think where do you think Thistle should be or where do we think Airdrie should be? So even even now we still look up at Hamonakis and go, ah, that's not a football team. That's that's not that's not right. We're we're bigger than them, which is uh, maybe delusions of grandeur on our part. But with your numbers, I mean, yeah, you're, you're bigger than Livingston. You're bigger than Hamilton. You obviously you need to put things right off the pitch to yeah. to support support things, but. But to me, I mean, you you should be bigger than them, bigger than Ross County and Inverness. Uh, I see as a, a, a in terms of crowds and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But unfortunately, everybody else performs on the park, you yeah. know. And I think that's it. If you look at if you look at people ridicule St. Johnson all the time, but if it's so many top six finishes, they've been regularly been in Europe, they've won a Scottish Cup, and their average home support is probably about two two and a half thousand. So, you know, it, I don't think it really matters. It's where, where, where you think you should be as a club. It's, it's where you are, isn't it? Yeah. And I would agree that if you look at, if you look at the, the, the kind of whole Lanarkshire, Air, Airdrie, are, are, if, if they were in Hamilton's position just now, would be doubling the crowds at home that Hamilton get. You know, I don't think, don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but again, do you not think that, that you've lost a bit of identity moving to, to the ground that you're at just now? Oh, massively, and and using the, the the door. I mean, your point about free tickets for kids. I genuinely think you could open the gates at Airdrie for a home game. Uh, if COVID wasn't here, uh, and yeah. you said you wouldn't get over four thousand, so yeah. it, it would take a long time to to build up, and it, and it, and it's not easy. Um, so uh, I mean, we we say that tongue in cheek about Hamilton, but uh, I mean that that's a level of success that we've never had in my lifetime in terms of our longevity in the, the top league. Um, and I don't know what it would take to to bring the the numbers back. It'll be difficult. Success, success on the pitch. Your, your points are a well made one. That yeah, St Johnston won a Scottish Cup. I mean that's that's massive. Thing, things yeah. like that help. You just kind of I look at this and think, oh my goodness, if you got things right on the pitch like you did have a few years ago, uh, you could really go in a way that a lot of those clubs can't. Yeah. I think so. And I think there's a lot of kind of dormant fans and, and, and stuff like that. And I think like, like everything else, there's so many other alternatives for a lot of people that that unless you are really tied the wool and, and, and your football's more about, no, it's not just about the actual game, it's about the kind of the, the broader benefits of the kind of the, the, the social aspect and meeting, meeting friends. I mean, I go with two of my boys now who are, who are adults and we go and we go to, you know, just about Every game that, that, that we can together, sometimes maybe one or other might not make it. And that's really important. And I think that um, if you've not got that and you're maybe going yourself and the weather's not good or you're not really fancying who they're playing, then you might just find another alternative. And when you find another alternative, that might be a lot easier. It might be cheaper, you know. And, and I think that's another thing. I think the, 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 the cost of football for a lot of people, even at our level, is, is prohibitive. It really is. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. It's not, uh, it's not a cheap day out. Um, so uh, it makes it a hard sell. 
Uh, you'll get it's in the same way as you get uh, old firm fans and who you really support. You also get from them, what league are you in? Which is really, really annoying. And then uh, they will ask you, which is the fair question, how much is it in? And you tell them £17 and they throw their hands up in horror. It's not an easy sell uh, to get people along at, at that. You're absolutely right, and can I just say one of the one of the, the, the you know one of the times when you're in the car and you're listening to the radio and listening to one of these phone-ins that you actually want to put your foot through the radio, and it was just after we we made top six, and it was a Celtic fan who phoned in a uh, radio Clyde, and he said that Alan Archibald should get the manager of the year because see taking a wee part-time team like that to the top six, and you're thinking Jesus, <laughs> you know. I, 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 and that for me is the the, the kind of mindset, and, and, and the old firm fans for me have got this blinkers on, nothing else exists. And personally, personally, my absolute dream would be for the guys to go and play in the, the, the Premier League or English leagues and let us go on with up here. And people would say that the, the, the football would die. It absolutely wouldn't. We'd be playing every Saturday at three o'clock. If you've got, you know, Aberdeen, Hibs, and, you know, Hibs are third top and Aberdeen are top, and it's a game at Easter Road, it's a sellout. Because they're playing for something, you know, the the opportunities for, for other clubs to elevate up through the league would be I think it would be and, and the wealth would be more um evenly divided than it is to now, you know, the gap wouldn't be there. So um but I don't think that's coming anytime soon. No. But but you're right, and that's I think one of the things you'll have enjoyed if you can enjoy it about Thistle being such a, a yo-yo club is you, you, you get to see a lot of the richness in the uh, in Scottish football and the, the different stuff that's there I mean I think it's almost a, a subculture now with the numbers that will go along in the lower leagues but it, it, it is enjoyable to see all these places and all these teams and everybody's got their their, their stories so uh, they, they just they don't get that uh, and, and they never will a lot of them they don't, and they don't, and they don't understand, and and, and, and the patronising and, and everything that goes with that, you know, and and you just have to, you just have, and see, honestly, caught the the the, I always liken it to if uh, I don't know if you remember when the when Bournemouth get got promoted to the Premier League, they they were all singing the match of the day tune the night they get promoted because that was them going to be a match of the day. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant, and what the guys would be looking forward to would be Liverpool coming to their ground. Tottenham, Man City, Arsenal, Man United, fantastic. And actually, when we got up, Celtic Rangers coming to the ground was a dread because it was just horrible. Everybody was moved seats, and I get why they were doing it for the clubs were doing it for financial reason, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It wasn't an experience. When actually, if you compare it to that kind of Bournemouth thing, where there would have been an excitement and great, and it's just absolutely um, horrible to, to to the point where a lot of Thistle fans didn't go. So, you know, season ticket holders didn't go to the the, the old firm games at Fair Hill, um, oh. which which and 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 on occasion myself included. And, and as away days, they're terrible as well. I oh, got that enjoyable in the slightest. No. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Saturday's match then. So you guys have got off to a, a slow start, which does me have me slightly worried that maybe a windy animal coming at us on Saturday. But are you, are you confident? Have you got a prediction? No, I think I think I think that the um I think we'll win. I think do, do you know what the, the, the thing I said and, and I don't and I, and I don't include Airdrie in this and I don't include Falkirk or Cove in this, but I think ironically I think our easier games may be away from home. I think at home some of the teams that will come it happened a, a couple of weeks ago there in the League Cup in Queen's Park. Mm-hmm. And they kind of sat in and we really struggled. 
to break them down. And I think, but I think if teams are a wee bit more expansive, which I'm pretty sure Airdrie will be, then I do think then that that, that that we've got a better chance. Don't 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 be, don't be telling anybody that. Don't let anybody know what I've just said. But I do think. <laughs> but I think I think that that Saturday. I think I think for us, believe it or not, this early, I think this is a must-win game because our next two games after that are away to Cove and home to Falkirk. So we really need to get points on the board in the next three games. Okay, John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, I hope we can meet up before a game at some point this season. Um, oh, if if not, well, we've got got your number now, so we should sure text each other a bit on Saturday, yeah. depending on how it goes. Watch out, watch out for the abuse come five o'clock after the game. <laughs> Winner, lose, Colin, it's happening. <laughs> I, I, I know how to turn my phone off. <laughs> but no, thank you very much for coming. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the OTL podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more, you can sign up on Twitter or Facebook. Just search for OTL podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, why don't you subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Bye for now.